2A Lifestyle Podcast, and I'm your host, 2A Leo. On this episode, we are going to be talking just a little bit about the updates of the NRA leadership and executives, the board of directors especially, and also we're going to be talking about uh, just protecting your home, protecting your firearms, and got some pretty interesting stuff to talk about in gear news and also gear review. I appreciate y'all listening into the uh, lifestyle podcast, the two a lifestyle that is. Without y'all, uh, y'all make this a little bit more interesting than just me talking into this microphone, uh, seem a little fucking crazy. So I appreciate y'all listening to the podcast. And if you have any um, any uh, reviews, uh, any tips, any suggestions that you want in reference to the podcast, uh, you can go look us up on social media. We have Facebook and Instagram under 2A Lifestyle. Give us a like, follow, uh, and also review us all on the any podcasting app that you listen on. We're on all the big ones. We're on iPhone, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, all that good shit, Google Play. So give us a review, and I appreciate it if you would give us a review, especially on iTunes, because once you give us a review, that is able to help other people locate the podcast, be able to spread it whenever they're looking for firearms-related podcasts. So it'll just help us reach out to other people. Uh, but anyway, let's go on and get into the show. As we head into the uh, news industry segment of our show, the kind of the, the main part of the show, I'm not going to go too much into beating a dead horse because the last couple of episodes we had really uh, gone into the great details of what's going on in the NRA and what exactly uh, I believe the problem is. But uh, we're going to just kind of give you all an update on some things that have happened since then uh, that I think is kind of important, especially if you've listened to the last couple episodes. I think uh, it's you know going to be important to keep up with it. And as I stated before, it is our duty as NRA members, as members of the gun community, is to be involved in reference to this fuck up. That the NRA has got themselves into this clusterfuck, this shit show, this shit wagon, this greased up football that the NRA keeps fucking. So with that said, let's just go on and get into it. If you've been listening uh, to any news, if you've been listening uh, or paying attention to any social media, you will see that uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Adam West came out with his own memo in reference to what is going on with the leadership of the NRA. He released this uh, his memo on the OldSchoolPatriot.com on the 14th of May, uh, and basically Adam West, uh, who or is basically uh, not Adam West. Why the fuck am I saying Adam West? I don't know why. I've, Fucking got Batman on my mind. Alan West, my error, Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, but Alan West, he wrote a letter in reference to stating that he had no knowledge of the financial improprieties that has been going on with the NRA. And even though uh, people on the board that are Wayne LaPierre supporters like Carolyn Meadows and Charles Cotton stated that everybody on the board knew. 
And it's kind of interesting because, you know, at first Tim Knight was the only board member to be kind of coming out and saying that everybody, or not everybody on the board, uh, knew about these financial improprieties and the financial problems the NRA is having. Uh, and then, of course, you have people like Marion Hamner, uh, along with the other two that I mentioned earlier. And then now, of course, Willis Lee, who is the second vice president in the NRA, is stating that. Uh, yeah, the board knew, and we all support Wayne LaPierre, and all these people saying otherwise are just full of shit. Well, Alan West and Tim Knight is fought back and saying, no, that is not the case. There are people on the board who did not know. There are people on the board who do not support Wayne LaPierre, and everybody that is Wayne LaPierre supporting board members that are keep saying that Wayne LaPierre was voted unanimously and all that other bullshit that they keep pushing out in the mainstream media uh, is exactly that, just a load of bullshit. Uh, Alan West continued to say that in his memo that he asked Wayne LaPierre to step down at this past NRAM. Uh, and it's kind of interesting because it goes to show that he was part of the Oliver North uh, coup that occurred at NRAM uh, where some people from the board along with Oliver North came together and told Wayne LaPierre that you need to step down. Uh, and obviously he did not. So now Oliver North is no longer the president of the NRA. So, and that's why we have Carolyn Meadows as the new president of the NRA. Uh, he also, something very interesting that I thought uh, was of great note. And if you did read the, the memo that Alan West put out, that you probably... If you didn't notice it, you probably should go back and read it because I think this is a very interesting point. Currently, right now, there are 76 board members of the NRA, uh, but he wants to whittle it down to 30, and he wants to introduce term limits because currently, right now, in the NRA Board of Directors, there is no term limits. And uh, if you go look at the NRA Board of Directors, uh, especially since there's 76 of them, most of them are old white guys. It's what you expect a... You know, kind of a, a boomer FUD generation led organization looks like, or any fucking board of directors that, you know, just pop in your mind if you think of a bunch of old white guys. Yeah, that's kind of basically what the NRA board of directors looks like. Um, you know, at least most of the ones that I know, anyway, I, I will preface it with that. But uh, he wants to whittle it down to 30 along with term limits. That is fucking awesome. If, if that's something we could do, that would be amazing and great. Uh, and something else, uh, you know, Tim Knight obviously came out and supported Alan West in reference to this memo. And it's uh, pretty interesting because, you know, these are the only two board members, like I said, out of 76 currently, that have come out and spoken out against what the executives uh, at the NRA are doing. And I, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly believe that there's more than just these two individuals on the board of directors. Uh, and Tim Knight himself has come out and said, you know, these are the committees that I serve on. Uh, I fully expect after me coming out and not supporting Wayne LaPierre and going against some members of the board of directors that are supporting Wayne LaPierre, I fully expect that I will not be renominated again when it's my turn for re-election, uh, which is something else that I think is pretty fucked up, is that the only way you can be on the board of directors is you have to be nominated by a uh, nomination board that is already in the board of directors. So people from the board of directors uh, on the nomination committee are the only ones that can nominate people for the board of directors unless you get 
uh, like a ridiculous amount of signatures from people that are voting members uh, to sign a petition to say that they want you to be on the ballot for the board of directors, which is what Adam Kraut has done uh, every time he's run for the board of directors. Of course, even though he is a huge voice in the Second Amendment community and especially a humongous voice in defending our Second Amendment rights with the uh, litigation that he does, uh, he has had to do that every single time which is pretty fucked up in my opinion. You have this uh, young, charismatic attorney who is out there fighting the good fight and the NRA Board of Directors nominating committee says, eh, we don't fucking want him. He's not kind of into our uh, plans and shit like that. So let's just kind of brush him off to the side and uh, let's not nominate him. So each time uh, Adam Kraut went before the board of direction like board of directors election, he uh, had to go through the route of getting signatures, uh, gathering them up, and getting to a certain number before they could put them on the board uh, elections. And I think that's pretty fucked up. That's something Alan West did not say in his memo in reference to the nomination process. But I think once you get started with these different ref, uh, reforms and the uh, changes that need to happen, especially in the leadership of the NRA, I think something like that eventually will come along as well. Uh, so that's something that I think that the uh, board of directors needs to do, and I think that's something that needs to happen. Uh, congratulations, Alan West, for uh, unfortunately getting a target on your back because just like Tim Knight said, uh, you know he's obviously putting his own position in the board of directors in jeopardy by speaking out against Wayne LaPierre. Uh, he is um, willing to do the right thing, and I think that's very important. And because of that, I think we need to you know, reach out, whether it just be a quick message on social media that says, hey, you know, Alan West, I appreciate you doing what you're doing, fighting the good fight in the NRA. Uh, but we need to support people like this. Uh, just like if you have a good politician that's doing some good shit in, in your neck of the woods, whether it be at the municipal county or state level, uh, you know, that's where... Uh, you know, obviously people that do shit more affect you. Uh, you need to let those people know that say, Hey, I think you're doing the right thing. Keep doing what you're doing because it's very encouraging to people like that. Uh, so I think good job, Alan West. And I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, I'm sure you, I'm almost guaranteed you don't fucking listen to the podcast, but in the off chance that you ever decide to listen to it, uh, I want you to know that I appreciate you and everybody I've spoken with in reference to this appreciates you. Well, we talked about one good board member. Now let's talk to one that's kind of shitty. And when I'm talking about a shitty board member, I'm talking about Willis Lee. He is the second vice president of the NRA. And he was on a show just yesterday, the 18th of May, uh, called Inside Track, which is a radio show out of Tucson, Arizona. And uh, I am um, a part of a group called uh, NRA Members uh for uh, accountability and you know I've shared it on uh, the Facebook page and we end up sharing that uh, information in reference to him being on that college well it's it's supposed to be a call-in show on their website it's got a fucking phone number you can call if you want to talk to him uh, but obviously they did not allow people to call in that day uh, for some fucking reason or another even though talk radio is supposed to be talk you can call in shit like that uh, but Willis Lee was on that radio station yesterday. And let's just go into what he basically said. Uh, I will just say that what he stated is that the NRA is on the right track. Wayne LaPierre is paid enough, uh, is, is paid uh, 
just right, maybe even less than what he does, because according to them, Wayne LaPierre himself raises a million dollars a day for the NRA. Not the staff, not anybody else, but Wayne LaPierre himself raises a million dollars a day for the NRA. I would like to see that, but um, you know he's the right man for the job, according to Willis Lee. And something else that's interesting is that he uh, stated that the board of directors that are dissenting, mainly he's talking about obviously Alan West and he's talking about Tim Knight, are doing this in reference to a personal previous beef, I guess you could say. I, you know, I don't know how else you could describe it, but he's stating that there's a personal previous history in reference to why they're doing what they're doing. And he stated that anybody, uh, whether it be small little podcasts like this, content creators on social media, what have you, are Bloomberg agents. That they are, we are receiving money directly or indirectly from Bloomberg to speak out against the NRA because we don't want Donald Trump to get elected for 2020. I'll tell you this right now. If a more pro-Second Amendment Democrat runs against Donald Trump, I will probably vote for that person just because of the fact, yes, Donald Trump has done great in appointing Supreme Court justices that I feel that are going to support the Second Amendment if Second Amendment issues come before the Supreme Court. But also, again, Donald Trump himself is the reason bump stocks are banned. And if you have one and if you haven't gotten rid of it, you are automatically a felon that can serve up to 10 years in federal prison or you had to destroy it and you were out however much money you spent with it for it. So, you know, if you bought a bump stock when uh, they weren't price gouging them, you're out like, you know, around $100. But shit, if you purchased a bump stock after Las Vegas and that's when all the talk of bump stock bans were coming in, I saw bump stocks going for two, three, four, even $500 on some online listings. So uh, you're out that money. So the government said you had to get rid of your property or become a wanted criminal, a felon, uh, without compensation, which is against the law. And I think that's shitty that Donald Trump did that because they did it at his request. Something else that Donald Trump did, and he said that Donald Trump is not a politician. I grant you that. So anything he says, I think he kind of feels it's that it was a slip of the tongue. He stated that we can take the guns now and go through due process later. So Donald Trump wants to take your guns without going through the proper process to deny you that private property. Again, he's already done it with bump stocks. So what's to say he's not going to do it with your modern sporting rifles, with your magazines that hold more than 10 or 15 rounds, or your semi-automatic firearms? You know, It just goes to show that, yeah, he can support the Second Amendment by appointing justices, you know, he'll he'll fucking you know give you a, a treat up front, but then when he's gonna stab you in the back by doing shit like taking away your bump stocks and saying that kind of shit. So it, it's pretty shitty. But uh you know that's the update on the NRA and the bullshit that's going on. Um again I, I urge everyone and I'm gonna keep saying this next April twenty twenty 
there's going to be another National Rifle Association annual meeting. This is going to be in Nashville, Tennessee. You need to be there. If you just get a membership for one year, you won't be a voting member because to be a voting member for the board of directors, you have to have had uh, annual membership for five concurrent years, or you have to have a life membership that has to be paid in full 50 days before the National Rifle Association annual meeting uh, to vote for the board of directors. But you can show up if you're just a member. Uh, that's the price of admission to this to the annual meeting is you have to be a member. So spend $35 for one year, show up to the annual meeting. You might not be able to vote, but while you're there, you can show your support and what you think the NRA needs to change. They need to change their leadership and they need to change their executives along with these board of directors that are siding with the executives and the leadership in the NRA at the moment need to either get their shit straight or they need to get the fuck out because with them sitting on that board and the leadership that they're providing the NRA is the reason why soon, if it continues this way, the NRA may be no more. And as a humongous Second Amendment supporter and gun enthusiast, I understand that the NRA is the biggest organization. And because of that, they have some say in the game on the politics that govern our Second Amendment rights. And we need the NRA to be strong and we need them to be ethical in reference to the business that they conduct, especially in D.C., but also with our money and with everything else that they do because there's like over 160 different programs at the NRA to include training, hunter and safety, uh, firearms education, uh, you know, competitions, all that other kind of shit. Uh, so the NRA needs to be strong, needs to be ethical. Uh, so that's why I think we need to change the NRA, and I'm going to continue to say this until the NRA is either gone and gone the way of the buffalo, or it's got back on track. So again, that's my high horse. I'm going to step off that fucking bitch now, and let's go on to some different stuff. Before we get into uh, hardening your home to protect your uh, protect your firearms, uh, there is an interesting article, and I'm sure y'all saw as well. In uh, this article that I'm pulling from. It's going to be coming from the L.A. Times. It's going to be Rich, Richard Witten and Hannah Fry are the authors of this article. It was published on May 9th, uh, and it states how a Los Angeles mansion became an arsenal for more than 1,000 weapons. Um, I'm sure everybody's seen this. It's been all over social media and shit like that. Uh, it's pretty interesting, uh, pretty cool to look and see what some of the shit this guy had. Uh, but it is... When I first read this, and you know, if you haven't listened to the first episode, and if you haven't heard me say it, and if you haven't just picked it up from my fucking name, I'm a law enforcement officer. Uh, I did. I've been doing this for ten years now. Five of those years, uh, half that time, I've been an investigator slash detective, whatever you want to fucking call it. Uh, and the first thing I thought is, well, damn, how they get the search warrant for that house? Because. Uh, you know, I've taken classes with actually law enforcement officers that are from the, the state of California, and uh, it is a bitch and a half to get a search warrant out there, which is, that's I'm assuming, what they did. Um, because, well, and after reading the article, I had to ask myself, did they even have a search warrant? Because uh, the, the owner of all those firearms did have an FFL, according to the news article. 
That's something I don't know if y'all picked up because some of the articles I read didn't really state whether he had an FFL or not, but he had an FFL. And so, you know, if you have an FFL, especially a home-based FFL, like some of you might know, you're going to have uh, compliance checks from the uh, uh, ATF. So, uh, and this is, so this is something that I was wondering that if they might have done this, uh, is did the F ATF do an FFL compliance check and then all of a sudden, hey, LAPD, you want to come fucking walk with us while we go do this compliance check with this dude? And when they did, that's when they saw all these fucking guns and the ATF was like, hey, LAPD, this might be some shit that you might want to look into. And LAPD said, sit fucking tight. We'll go get a search warrant because the tip that started all this shit was a neighbor said that they thought that the FFL owner was selling illegal uh, assault weapons, quote-unquote assault weapons, or automatic weapons, whatever you want to say. But um, that's supposedly what got the ire of law enforcement there in L.A. Uh, He was charged with owning unregistered, quote-unquote, assault weapons and going outside the limits of his FFL. That's what he was charged with. And being in L.A., you know, in a very liberal city, let alone in a liberal state, um, they have additional requirements for FFLs. You know, here in Alabama, I got several buddies that have FFLs, uh, you know, besides having to have a business license and shit like that. That's really the only requirement locally uh, municipally and, and county-wise that you have to have, but in, in many other states where they're a little bit more uh, gun control nuts and less Second Amendment friendly, they have a lot of local and state and county regulations against home FFLs, Hell, any FFLs, whether you have a shop or whether you have an FFL out of your business. So I guarantee you that's probably what they're charging them with. And of course, in California, you have to register your weapons. And of course, registration leads to confiscation. Uh, it's just simple, plain fact, just like this guy. Uh, he obviously had some that registered, some that weren't. Um, so that that's that story and I thought it was pretty interesting and anybody else uh, I noticed this especially in this particular article you know yeah you see the like sky photos of a shit ton of weapons but then they also showed a picture of his quote unquote ammunition stockpile that was some weak sauce I'm just fucking saying that was some weak sauce bitch you had all them guns you maybe had enough bullets to shoot every rifle maybe once or twice uh, you know, it's like with anybody else that, you know, is, is a gun whore and shit like that. You know, you're going to have uh, a safe or two full of fucking guns, but you're going to have maybe two or 300 rounds for all them fucking guns, uh, collectively, not two or 300 rounds per gun, two and three rounds collectively. So I thought that was pretty interesting, but the main topic of this segment we're going to be talking about uh, thinking of making your home secure. Uh, this is an article from PoliceOne.com. It was published on March 13th, and this is something as a law enforcement officer that I think uh, is something a lot of people don't think about. And I'm just going to tell you, a lot of fucking people uh, get their fucking gun stolen. I can't tell you how many fucking times it seems, if not once a day, at least once a week, uh, I got to do a report or an investigation for somebody that had their firearm stolen. 
Hell, I had one fucking guy had two or three suppressors stolen. And this is before the bump stock ban. Two or three of those modern sporting rifles had bump stocks along with suppressors. So here's some shit that uh, this article and some other things that I'm going to expand on just in my personal knowledge. uh, What you can do to harden your home to make your firearms safer and not only your firearms you know other shit in your house i mean yeah you work hard for all your shit not including your firearms you don't want any of that shit stolen so uh here's some fucking kind of some common sense shit that you can do uh big thing is don't make your home a motherfucking target um simple things like not putting boxes in your trash you know lawn ornaments or flags stickers on the windows and vehicles simple shit that you can do to your house to not make you a target because the biggest thing is to not have your home singled out to begin with so uh you know like i stated if you bought a gun uh or hell even a big ass flat screen tv don't fucking put that box on the side of the road. You know that bitch ain't going to fit in your fucking trash can. And yeah, you might try and fold that bitch up and try and stick it in there, but it's not going to work. So uh, don't put boxes on the side of the road uh, because that's just saying, hey, look at some new shit that I got you can steal. Um, you know, things that you can do is burn the bitch in the backyard or if uh, you have strict fire codes or you live in an apartment complex or some shit like that. Uh, something you can do is just, you know, it's going to take some time, but tear that box up and then put it in a trash bag. Put it in a black trash bag that you can't see through. Uh, same thing is your trash. Your trash is is not no longer private property once you put it, if you live in an apartment complex in a common dumpster, or once you put your trash on the curb for the trash people to pick up. Uh, it is no longer your private property. At that point in time, it becomes public property. So if you have clear trash bags and you you have a bunch of ammunition boxes or you have um, just some other shit that a, a, a thief can see through your clear trash bags and say, hey, this person's got a lot of fucking you know, bullet boxes in his trash. I bet you he's got some guns in there. Um, you know, Don't do that. Don't make yourself a target. Another thing is, yeah, I mean, I love fucking guns. And, I, you know, in my gun room, I have, you know, humongous Glock uh, banner you know, did up. Uh, I got a big ass Hornady poster that's, you know, I actually got two of them. One of them is like a pretty badass uh, picture of like a uh, uh, military sniper. And on the other side, it's got the ballistics of all their uh, popular and common bullets. Um, but, you know, it's that is towards the back of my house. Uh, so you'd have to jump a six foot privacy fence to look into my house to see that. It's not in a room to the front of the house. So if somebody wanted to peek through the blinds or if it's during the spring and, uh, you know, I want to just stick it to the power company and not fucking turn on my AC, you know, sometimes I'll open the windows and shit. Uh, you know, it's nothing that somebody can see through the windows. So uh, that's something else is don't put shit visibly seen to where people can peek through your blinds or windows and say, hey, this is a lot of fucking you know, gun shit right here. Uh, this is some good shit to steal. 
hell, you know, I, I got a big flat screen TV in my front room, my living room, uh, and that's a big reason why I don't like to open my front door and leave it open. Even when it's nice in the spring and I want to stick it to the power company, I don't leave my front door open and let the breeze come through and let some of that cool air come through because I don't want people that are driving down the street or walking down my street to say, hey, he's got a nice big fucking flat screen TV. I bet it'd be easy to lift that bitch up off the wall and, you know, stick it in a car and get the fuck out. Because it takes no time whatsoever uh, for a burglar to kick in your door and take your shit. Um, and, of course, as a law enforcement officer, I'm just going to let you know the most common items taken are going to be electronics and firearms. Uh, they're going to go for your flat screens. They're going to go for tablets, uh, laptops, um, and any firearms you might have laying around, they're going to take a quick look to see if there's a firearm in the nightstand. They're going to take a quick look to see if there is a firearm um, under the bed, shit like that. Uh, so do not make your, harm, your home a target. Uh, another thing is uh, be careful of broadcasting your presence and location on social media. Now, this is uh, pretty kind of common knowledge for people that aren't fucking idiots, but in case you haven't really got the picture yet, uh, make sure that if you're at a, a function or uh, out of town or some shit on vacation, uh, is to not broadcast your shit all over social media. Um, one way you can protect against that is by making your profile private uh, and shit like that. But something else that a lot of people don't realize is that you might have family members or friends with you on uh, when you're out of town on vacation or at events when you're going to be away from your home for long periods of time, and you might tag them in it. Um, or th very well, they might take a picture and tag you in it, and their profiles not be might not be set to uh, private; they might be set to public. So it's easy for people to be scrolling through because, you know, with algorithm, algorithms through social media, uh, they try and broadcast people um, that are close to you that you may know. You know, like I'll fucking go to the gym and I'll see some people just kind of uh, doing other shit in there. And then as soon as I get home and I, you know, I'm done taking a shower and I'm chilling out and shit like that and I'm scrolling through social media and it says like suggested friends and shit. I'm like, God damn, like I don't even know this person but I remember seeing them at the gym not even 30 or 40 minutes ago. That's because uh, your GPS and all that kind of shit was, uh, was uh, attached to your Facebook profile uh, or if you use the Wi-Fi at the gym, uh, you and that person might be using the same Wi-Fi, having the same IP address, and the algorithms are going to pick that up, and they're going to say, hey, I wonder if these two people know each other. Let's try and connect them and put them in suggest friends. That kind of shit. Uh, so make sure that you uh, keep your social media secure and private and safe, but also it's a conversation you can have with your friends and family. If they take pictures with you uh, or some shit like that, hey, say, hey, I appreciate you, like, you know, that's cool and shit, you want to put that on social media, but hey, don't tag me in that. Uh, good example is, uh, like, I think it was like a week or two ago, I was at an event in uh, another town about an hour away, and when I did, I made sure that I didn't uh, tag it or post pictures or whatever the fuck until I got home. So that way... Uh, you know, my friends and family can kind of share in the pictures and the moments that I had, uh, but they, you know, 
if they decide to comment it on it or whatever the fuck, it's going to be when I'm at home and I can protect my shit. Uh, the, the other thing that this article kind of went into, but it didn't go into great t- detail that I'm about to go in with you right now that I think is pretty fucking cool, pretty important, is ways that you can protect your home. Uh, of course, there are traditional security systems. Uh, like ADT and shit like that, where you got to pay monthly services. And then, of course, in the last, I'd say, five to seven years, you had all these other services uh, coming out that you can purchase at, like Lowe's, Home Depot, that kind of shit. Uh, like, uh, I think it's called Vivint is, another, uh, is one I can think of that's pretty popular. Uh, or that doorbell camera shit that you can always see, uh, kind of turn your uh, home into a smart, uh, smart home and shit like that. Uh, that's another way you can protect your home. And those are great ways. I especially love that shit that you can do yourself now that you go to uh, Lowe's or Home Depot because if you did ADT, you had to sign contracts and if you broke that contract, you had to pay for the equipment and all that kind of shit and it was an exorbitant amount of money and I'm just kind of a fucking cheapskate. Uh, you know, being a single dad, I got to stretch pennies where I can. So uh, that's a great way to protect your home, but another great way that a lot of people in my neck of the woods here in Alabama do is they'll go to Harbor Freight or China Freight, I call them, and they'll go get those uh, little homemade uh, DIY, not homemade, but little DIY fucking security camera systems, and they'll put them on the outside, they'll put them on the inside, shit like that. Those are fantastic and wonderful, Uh, but now I will say have some dummies, have some backups, shit like that. Uh, me personally, I don't have those uh, just because I've been to a lot of burglaries where people have scout homes out and they say, hey, that person's got a security system, but I know they got some good shit in there. And they will wear a uh, ski mask or whatever the fuck up there and then they'll move the cameras or they'll yank the cameras out. Uh, because obviously the cameras are plainly visible and they wanted to, uh, you know, yank them bitches out and that way they can do what they got to do and come into your house and steal shit. So, uh, be careful with that kind of shit. You can have decoys, uh, but something and the best is concealment. Uh, personally, like I said, I have, and what a lot of people I tell them to do is, uh, game cameras, deer cameras, that kind of shit. I have two big fucking magnolia trees uh, in the front of my house, and I have game cameras on both of them facing my the front of my house. So if anybody walks up to the front of my house, uh, my game cameras are going to catch them. And those are great. They're inexpensive. I think the two I got uh, were like 50 bucks, and they came with like 16 gig memory cards, and those 16 gig memory cards hold like hundreds of photos and shit like that. Uh, and you really can't see them on those magnolia trees unless you look for them. Uh, so those are, are great ways to uh, do security systems. Another great thing that I did uh, is, like I said, Harbor Freight got has these, is these little uh, door sensors. And I'm going to tell you right now, in most cases, if a burglar breaks into your home, I'm just going to let you know, as a law enforcement officer and doing this for 10 years, uh, criminals have their own hierarchy. And of course, everybody can think of it, Pedophiles and rapists are at the bottom, but right above pedophiles and rapists in the hierarchy is, uh, you know, like besides the women beaters and the child beaters and shit like that, are thieves because thieves are not, they don't get upfront and personal. They don't get up in your face when they, they do their, their crime. You know, if you confront a thief, what the fuck are they going to do? They're going to take off running because they're cowards. 
So another thing you can do, and like I said, Harbor Freight used to sell these. I haven't, you know, bought some in a long time, uh, but it's a great thing. Is just little uh, sensors that almost look like the little door chimes, and actually they have a door chime signal on there. Um, is you know you attach one to your door frame and you attach one to your door and uh, whenever the magnetic seal is broken it makes a loud ass little screech and that's also something that they have is uh, to help detect window breaks so you put these little things on your window and if somebody breaks a window or hell if if you know like your kid hits it with a ball uh, and it doesn't quite break it, but it vibrates the window very violently. It, it's gonna set off the alarm, and it's a loud um, screeching kind of noise. And in most cases, when I in my job is whenever a burglar breaks into a house with an alarm and it's very fucking loud, uh, they're gonna take off running because they know, hey, this is really fucking loud. It increases my chances of getting caught, and I'm a coward. I don't want to confront no people, so I'm gonna just get the fuck out. You know, they might try and grab one or two things, but they're just going to get the fuck out. You know, they don't want to they don't want to risk it. And that shit's really cheap. That's like 10 or 15 dollars. I think they come in like packs of 4. Uh, so that's something you can do. Another thing you can do is just is something as simple as your landscaping. Um you know, in reference to windows, in reference to doors and shit. Uh, something you can do in putting landscaping and shrubbery next to your your doors and windows that you don't want that nobody, most people don't travel or most people uh, don't get up in there and shit is putting just prickly shrubbery like holly bushes or uh, like those sticky palm looking things. You know, I'm not a fucking botanist. Uh, you know, put those up there. So if somebody does try to climb up to your window to break shit, they're going to be getting, you know, pricked the fuck out of. Uh, it's, you know, is it going to stop a determined burglar? Not really, but it's something that it's going to make their job a little bit more difficult. And if you make, don't make the juice worth the squeeze, then they're going to move on to the next house. Uh, something else you can do, something simple, uh, is getting reinforced plates for your doors. Uh, I went into uh, attempted burglary just this past week where somebody had one and the burglar attempted to kick in the door, but they couldn't. So they, you know, fucking like grabbed some, like I think like a patio table and they took off running. You know, hey, they didn't get what they were looking for, uh, but they ended up grabbing something that they think they could sell for fucking scrap, fucking meth head, you know, and uh, took off running. But, you know, it's, it's a, a good way to defend your home. Uh, you know, is it going to be able to stop a determined burglar? Again, probably not. But it is something that you're making that burglar think, hey, is the juice worth the squeeze? And that's a great way to protect your farms. And finally, something else that I'm going to tell y'all is please, for the love of God, record your serial numbers for your firearms. This is a great way that if for some reason your shit is stolen or lost, and motherfuckers, please do not leave firearms in your vehicles or leave them visible where they could be easily found. Don't leave a fucking handgun tucked underneath your seat. Don't leave a handgun in your fucking center console. Don't leave a handgun in your glove box. If you're going to have a firearm, carry that bitch on you, or you're going to have to get like one of those lock boxes, those tough boxes, um that you know bolt inside your center console or something you know again is it going to uh is somebody can still be able to break into it yes but again you're making the juice not worth the squeeze in reference for that thief but uh 
Record your serial numbers, for God's sakes. Please record your serial numbers. Because if the shit is ever stolen, you can give it to the police or the sheriff's deputies, and they can enter an NCIC, and that's the National Crime Information Center. So if, uh, you know, Joe Thug is stopped, you know, two months, two years uh, down the road with your firearm, they will know that it is stolen, and you'll actually get your gun back. That's a great thing. Uh, it might take a while. You know, you got to say, for example, uh, you know, especially if it's been two years plus, you know, that farm might have crossed state lines. That police department is going to have to take it to an FFL. Who's going to have to transfer it to an FFL where your local police department is going to have to pick it up. They'll have to remove it from NCIC and then you'll be able to pick it up. But you'll be able to get your shit back. And then also the great thing is, is you'll be able to have that person arrested for having stolen property on their persons, you know. So that's, that's a great thing. Record your serial numbers. Do not have them in the same place that you have your firearms. So, I mean, another great example of shit like this is, you know, if you have a big old uh, safe, and I'm telling you, that was a heavy bitch. I went to a call one time where it was actually a fucking uh, fireman. He had a humongous, like, 50-gun safe. You know, one of those thousand-pound motherfuckers. And it was loaded with firearms and ammunition. And he was gone for, like, a week and vacation and when he came back somebody had broken into his house and moved that entire fucking safe onto a bed a truck bed and they drove off with it so that way they could take it to wherever they're going to go and steal the shit out of there so if you have a big gun safe don't leave your firearms in there and have more than one copy if you want to leave one in there in case of a fire, that's what I did. I got two copies of all my serial numbers. I got one of my gun safe just in case there's a fire. The gun safe can protect those serial numbers. And in case like I had one or two out uh, for one thing or another for competition or for just the shooting range or something like that. So I can have that shit. Or for a great example, uh, if like, you know, I'm robbed and somebody takes my gun, I'm thinking worst fucking case scenario. I'm not saying that shit's going to happen. Uh, but anyway. I'm just saying, worst case scenario, if that shit's stolen, I can go back to my gun safe and pull out my serial number and report it to the police saying, hey, this is the serial number of my farm that was stolen, uh, that kind of shit, and have uh, one somewhere else. So that way, in case somebody does load your 1,000-pound fucking uh, safe and steal that shit, you're going to be able to protect your self, and also you might be able to get your firearms back. And a great personal example is uh, it's been probably four to five, six months ago, uh, I caught somebody with a stolen gun. It was reported stolen from a nearby city, and it was stolen almost three years ago where some guy, uh, you know, ran into his house, not even five minutes. I think he said he was going to grab some uh, sportswear or some shit like that because he's a coach at a local school. I ran inside real quick to grab something, came back, and realized that his pistol was stolen. Well, I found his pistol almost three years ago, uh, you know, at a uh, stop that I had uh, in reference to an investigation, and uh, it was reported stolen. He was able to get his firearm back. So uh, that's going to be my tips for to protect yourself, protect your home, protect your firearms. Uh, this is information, you know, take it however the fuck you want it. Uh, you know, use some of it, use none of it. Use all of it, whatever the fuck, I don't care. But uh, uh, this is from the article Police One. And then just from my own experiences, 10 years as a law enforcement officer, uh, that is the best way to protect your home, uh, harden your home, and protect your firearms from criminals 
from taking them uh, that can try and use them for crimes later on. Now we're going to go into our next segment. We're going to talk about some new gear coming out and some gear that I've viewed. Uh, but this is going to be that segment, and I appreciate it. Let's move the fuck on. My charges I could not defend. The last thing the judge said to me as he handed down my sentence was he can never go home again. Never go Everything that the judge said If you come back around I'm going out like Judge Dredd What was in your head When you made those choices I can only hope That you were played by voices And you made the decision Not to listen to the one That was on your side When you started to slide Alright y'all We're going to go on And get into the Gun gear news and reviews segment of the podcast uh we're gonna be talking about some new stuff that's coming out and we're gonna kind of zip on through this uh but some pretty interesting stuff has come out and has really caught my eye and i wanted to share it with y'all and y'all can take a look at it and make up your own mind but this is just kind of my own little diatribe of shit that I found this past couple weeks that I thought would be interesting to bring up on the podcast. Uh, Timber, or not Timberwolf, fucking Lone Wolf has come out with the Timberwolf frame. Uh, they're trying to get into the Poly 80 uh, type of shit themselves. Uh, it's pretty interesting. They have, and this is what's really interesting to me, is that they have a fuck ton of different options. Uh, there are 16 different grip configurations, and they have them all in the 1923 sizes for those calibers. They have them in the full sizes, 1722 type. And then even what I think is kind of cooler is they have them in the Glock 20 to 21. So you can build either your 10 millimeter or your 45 caliber handgun. Um, but they have them where they're all Gen 3, Gen 4, Gen 5, slide compatible. Um, they come in kind of different configurations. They have like uh, the Glock 45 uh, type stuff, you know, uh, type shit. They have the uh, compact grip but long slide. Um, you can get them either textured or non-textured grip they have ambidextrous gen 4 mag releases uh they're also claiming it is the slimmest grip in history or in the industry not the industry fucking a uh it's getting late so forgive me uh they also have uh enhanced ergonomics providing an ultra low bore axis and then of course they don't have any finger grooves now, this is interesting. I think it's cool. I love it when competition happens in the market. Uh, it personally, I think, brings better products out. It also drives down prices, uh, so it becomes more affordable. Um, but something I didn't notice is that I couldn't find a price on Timberwolf's website for their new grips that they're coming out with. Um, so I, I don't know what they're going to do. I personally, myself, just bought uh, two new Gen 3 uh, Glock frames uh, for 19, and uh, you know the subcompact Glock 19 frames, uh, and they were both uh, $45 a piece um, from uh, a fucking website out of California. I can't recall. Uh, I was a pain in the ass from NFFL to get that shit, but 
yeah, so I just bought two new frames for 45 bucks a piece. And the Glock 80 poly frames that you can, or the you know poly 80 Glock frames that you can do your own self, uh, they come in around, you know, sometimes I see them on sale for like just over 100 bucks. Uh, sometimes, you know, mostly they're around 130 to 150 range. So I think if they aren't able to make it in that price range from 130 to 150 and then quite honestly i think they probably need to come in a little less uh because it's not their own uh design kind of thing you know this is not like they're reinventing the wheel poly 80 already came out did that kind of shit uh so they shouldn't have really had to put a whole lot of r&d into this um so unless they really come in less than 130 i think it's kind of a dud uh, you know, Lone Wolf is not really the uh, fucking, you know, Gucci Glock type of shit. You know, when I think of Gucci Glocks, I really don't think of Lone Wolf parts on there. So uh, unless they come in less than 130, I think it's kind of a dud. Uh, but time will tell when they come out with their MSRP. Something else that I thought was pretty fucking cool uh, is Night Manager came out with a shotgun accessory. Uh, and it's an extension and it has an accessory mount. Uh, and it's by Chote or Coat. Uh, it's C- it's Charlie Os- uh, Charlie Hotel Oscar Alpha Tango Echo. So however the fuck you want to say it. This article comes from the Firearms Blog uh, from the ninth of this month. But it's it's pretty cool. Uh, they have uh, a basically it's a shotgun extension tube, but they have little drill holes in the shotgun extension tube that you can put a Picatinny accessory rail, which is great. I think for either a sling, if you got like a two point sling, you can put uh, the sling adapter up there, or you could put a flashlight up there, uh, which is great because you know I have like the slide fire uh, pumping forend uh, for my shotgun. <clears throat> And uh, that bitch was kind of expensive. Uh, this right here is not too terribly bad. MSRP of ninety two seventy seven, so you'll probably be able to get it for around seventy bucks, maybe seventy to eighty bucks. Uh, but it works on all uh, major brands: uh, Remington eight seventies, eleven hundreds, H and R Partner pumps, the Hawk nine eighty twos, Mossberg five uh, nineties, and all that kind of good shit. Uh, so it works for a lot of different shotgun brands, and uh, again, I think it's pretty cool because you know you don't want to add a whole lot of extra weight to your shotgun because that bitch is already pretty heavy. Uh, so you're putting the extension in there; it gives you uh, an extra two to three rounds, and you can also put that Picatinny rail that if you want to put uh, a flashlight or a sling adapter on there, uh, you can put that on there as well. So I think it's pretty cool. Next bit of information coming from the farms industry and new products. Uh, Noblex Doctor Optics Glock MOS Integrated Red Dot Sight. Now, uh, you know, I'm not. I'm kind of dabbling into the red market, uh, red dot market. Uh, I haven't personally got one yet, but I got several pistols that uh, are optic ready, and I want to get into it. Uh, but I've shot some friends red dot sights, and uh, personally, it was a little hard for me to get used to. Uh, until an uh, old grandmaster at the last USPSA match uh, I was at was talking to a guy that was shooting uh, carry optics, and he said basically what you want to do is just you know not try and struggle and wait for that sight you know that little red dot to come into your sights, but uh, quick way to acquire the red dot is put the frame of the optic on your target you know 
which I thought was, you know, it's kind of like stupid, but it was like an aha moment. You know, I never personally have thought of that when I was shooting my friends uh, red dot optics and shit like that. So, but this is pretty interesting because it is a very unique look. It is very much made for the Glock MOS series. Uh, it is very low profile. Uh, it's hardly nothing. Uh, makes me wonder how sturdy this thing is. Um, but it, it's uh, it basically is the same height, you know, of the uh, slide cover uh, for the MOSs. And all it has is just like a small little frame sticking out of that bitch, uh, and that's your sight. Uh, it looks like the battery is loaded from the from the top, which I think that's a great thing. Um, and it is a bit pricey though. Uh, the MSRP on this damn thing is five hundred and thirteen dollars. You know, you might be able to get it for around four eighty, but still, that's a lot of fucking money for an untested name brand. Uh, coming into the red dot market, uh, you know, when you can easily get a Trigicon for that price. Uh, I wouldn't buy that for that price. Uh, it looks pretty cool, but um, uh, it's very low profile. But again, are you going to spend $500 for something that you uh, are unsure of? Uh, I don't think so. And the last little bit of product news that's coming out is called the uh, Helm Forge st1 charging handle stiletto uh now uh, this comes from also the firearm blog uh but this is a pretty fucking cool little thing i saw uh the picture of this thing uh when i was scrolling through the firearm blog and i was like you know that just kind of looks badass and basically what it is it's an mb charging handle that they uh sharpened into basically an ice pick and it comes in a little kydex uh seat and literally uh st stands for a stabby thing. That's literally what it stands for. It's a needle point. Um, it's a needle point uh, self-defense tool. Uh, you, you know, won't be able to to get uh, cut a lot of shit with it. But it's just like you know something that you just stab. I mean, fucking ST stands for stabby thing. I think literally that's what the article said when I was reading it. Um, where can I find that bitch at? Yep. According to the website, it literally means stabby thing. Uh, but it's pretty fucking cool looking. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'd ever actually carry this fucking thing, but it would be cool just as like a little novelty and, uh, you know, something to show your friends. And looking at the pictures, it sharpened to a very fine fucking point. Uh, so I, it's a cool looking little thing. And uh, just thought it would be interesting to show. They don't have MSRP on it. Uh, but again, if this was like, you know, around 40 bucks. I think I'd buy it just for just kind of like the conversation starter piece it is. But anyway, uh, that's going to be all for the product news. And let's go on and get into product review. Uh, I won this just in full disclosure. I won this uh, in a range day I was at a while back uh, in a raffle. And basically, it's an Explorer Case 9413 waterproof gun case. Uh, mine came in OD green. And uh, from the little shop that I uh, won it from that brought it in and put it up for uh, the door prizes, uh, the MSRP uh, from the shop was 289 But I'm looking at it on Amazon, and you can get it for $219, uh, but this comes with foam. Mine actually came with a soft, uh, soft cover uh, 
range bag inside of it, and it was actually pretty fucking nice. Uh, it's got like three compartments in the front, a large one and two smaller ones on each side. It's got a very big, large Velcro uh, doohickey on the uh, fucking you know large Velcro cover on the front pocket in the uh, soft cover case, uh, so you can put whatever you want it. And then on the inside, it's got uh, a ton. Uh, when I say a ton, like probably close to ten velcro straps uh and it's got the interior covering uh that's basically the loop part of hook and loop velcro uh so you can put your straps down to secure your long gun now you can actually get them with foam uh but mine didn't come with that it came with the soft uh rifle case inside uh but it's very nice uh it's very cool uh it's basically a mimic of a pelican case um, the brand name actually itself is Explorer Cases. It's an Italian brand. Uh, it has a large handle uh, on the side, and it has uh, two smaller handles on the small ends on each side, but it also has carrier wheels. And it comes with, it's got four of the strong little uh, latches to close it, and it's got two, uh, it's actually got four different places on it. Uh, that you can secure a like a little lock on there, and if you go flying with this bitch, you wouldn't want to secure it with four locks, just because basically you're just gonna get four fucking cut locks because a TSA is gonna check your shit. Uh, but speaking of flying with this fucking thing, it also does come with a neat and sturdy uh, little pressure valve, so you can twist it to either seal it or you can uh, let it loose. To let it breathe, uh, and that's something very important because if you fly with a sealed case, you know when that bitch is in the cargo bay of your plane, and the you know the the plane's pressure is going to change. But if you have it sealed, uh, the pressure is going to stay the same inside to whatever it is when you close that bitch because it's got the rubber seal and all that shit. So either it's going to get sucked in uh, and get cracked like that. Or it's going to expand outwards, and it's going to break like that. Uh, so you want to make sure if you fly that with the you know one of these kind of cases that you want to leave the little uh, pressure uh, deal uh, open, so that way it can stay the same pressure with the environment that it's in. Now this case is basically a copy of the Pelican 1700 uh, rifle case, uh, almost exact copy. Um, you know, it's maybe got like a little bit of a, a, a larger handle on the long side, uh, but basically you can fit a guitar in this thing. Um, the actual dimensions of it are 37 inches long, it's 13.8 inches wide, and about five and a half, uh, 5.4 inches deep. Now, uh, and again, the Pelican 1700 rifle case is going to be. Uh, 35.75 inches long, uh, 13.5 inches wide, and 5.25 inches deep. So it's just a hair bigger in some and uh, places. Uh, but something about this case is I won this, and I've actually been looking into getting the PRS. Um, so obviously I would want a good case to carry my PRS rifle in. I was looking at the Tika T3 CTR uh, compacts and 6.5 Creedmoor. Uh, but this thing is a little too short. Uh, that specific Tika rifle is overall length of 40 inches, uh, and this bitch is 37 inches long. Uh, so 
Uh, it would have to be a 16-inch rifle that you fit into this. So it's really only made for uh, AR platform rifles um, or anything under 40 inches in overall length. Uh, so that kind of sucks. Uh, I'd have to have to get a new right, uh, new case uh, if I wanted to destroy my Tika and something like that. And something else is the one I got in, like I said, came with a uh, a rifle, a soft rifle case in it, which is nice. Uh, you know, you can't have a, enough good soft rifle cases to carry shit to the to the range and whatnot. Um, so I like that, but I personally kind of wanted foam, but it's not too bad because you can actually buy foam. It's gonna fit the Pelican rifle cases, um, but you can kind of you know the the measurements are just a hair off, um, but you can uh, cut it down uh, in the replacement foam. Uh, is around fifty dollars, uh, so you can put the foam inside this Explorer case if you get that. Um, it, it's it's a great case. Uh, you know, I kept it in my uh, my uh, investigated car uh, for fucking like two or three weeks uh, before I you know after I won this damn thing, I just kept it in the trunk uh, before I actually brought it into the house, and it took a beat. And obviously, in the side in the back of my car, you know, you know, doing my normal uh, law enforcement job. So it took kind of took a beating with a bunch of other shit that was going on in there, like all my crime scene processing shit and, and different stuff. So it uh, lived up to that. Of course, there was nothing in there, so I can't really tell if it you know protect that. Uh, but there's hardly a scratch on the outside of it after that. Um, but that's going to be it uh, in reference to our product reviews. Again, uh, in Amazon, this is two nineteen eighty nine. The Pelican rifle case on Amazon, uh, seventeen hundred. It's actually one ninety one ninety six, and. Uh, but that's for the black. If you want to get the tan or the OD like what I have, it's actually two thirty nine ninety five. Um, so uh, you know, is it worth the money? Yeah, I think it's worth the money um, to definitely get one of these rifle cases because if you do get a nice rifle, like I'm planning on getting the Tika and putting, uh, you know, obviously accessorizing it up to to you know be a good thousand yard gun. Uh, and I want to make sure that I keep it in something uh, secure that's not going to mess with the optics that I'm planning on putting on it. Uh, it's not going to mess with the uh, free-floating barrel uh, on it, you know. So definitely want to invest in a good case. Now, in some of these other cases, uh, same thing, Explorer cases, 9413. Uh, so, you know, without the foam, I saw them, some on the Internet as low as 169 So if you can get it for about that price, I definitely say get it. It's a good rifle case. Uh, like I said, it's got the wheels on it. So if you take this uh, to an airport, you're going to have to keep this slung over your shoulder or carrying it or whatever the fuck. You can be able to roll it on. It's got nice rollers. Um, it's very sturdy. Uh, TSA compliant and waterproof uh, and uh, all that good shit. Uh, but, you know, it's not a Pelican, but it's basically a Pelican, that kind of sort of thing. Um, something else that I did notice that a Pelican has that this didn't uh, is the little uh, lock holes um, on a Pelican. You know, if, if you've ever been in the military, uh, you will definitely know that Pelicans are uh, a big thing there, but they in the Pelicans on the 1700, the Pelican has little metal uh, grommets that help protect the uh, little lock holes uh, on the the Pelican case itself. Uh, the Explorer case did not; it is just straight, you know, whatever that kind of plastic is. Um, but you know, uh, on the Pelican, underneath that little metal grommet is plastic as well. So if if something's gonna break it, it's gonna break it. Uh, but yeah, that that's gonna be my review. 
Um, I'm going to try and get some pictures of it and put it on the Facebook and Instagram page if you care to look at it. And uh, I appreciate you listening. Let's go on and get into the culture segment. If you looked at my social media page, you'll see probably pretty well what the culture segment is going to be. But I'm just going to let you know the culture segment today is going to be about John Wick 3. So if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want any spoilers, stop the podcast now. Stop it now. I appreciate you listening. Uh, The culture segment is going to be the last part of it. Uh, But if you don't want any spoilers, go ahead and stop the podcast now and have a good next couple weeks until I see you again. But let's go on and get into the culture segment where we talk about John Wick 3. Y'all, let's go ahead and get into the culture segment. We're going to be talking about John Wick 3. Uh, came out in theaters this past weekend. I went and saw it yesterday, Saturday. Uh, it did not disappoint. It was a very good movie. And something that I liked a little bit awesome, a little bit better in this movie than other movies, is that they had some good dog work in it. I really appreciate good canine handling and Halle Berry's character. Uh, she had two Belgian Malawas uh, that were pretty badass in the movie. Um, but let's go on and get into it uh, in the culture segment. And, of course, John Wick 3 had the usuals. He had some Glock 19s, he had a Glock 34, uh, he had a HK uh, MP5 variant. Um, he had a, uh, this is the, he had a HK uh, P30L. Uh, something else too, uh, it was kind of cool. He had a Glock 19X. Uh, one of the Glock 19s he had was the Terran Tactical Industries Combat Master Package, uh, and two guns that he had in there that I thought were pretty fucking awesome. Uh, in the very beginning of the movie, uh, when he's running from some Chinese uh, bad dudes, he goes into what looks like a uh, a fucking gun museum or some shit or a weapons museum. And you see him fucking with a Remington 875 45 Long Colt. And he's fucking switching out the cylinders of one and putting it in the other. Uh, and some crazy shit like that. And uh, he ends up killing somebody with it. It was pretty fucking cool. Uh, I personally like that part of the movie. Uh, just goes to show that he was kind of, you know, taking it apart and putting it back together kind of quick. It's kind of like how you would see fucking uh, legs or some shit like that in the military. Uh, I just saw one this past week of some fucking Marines uh, breaking down a 249 and putting it back together. One of the Marines was blindfolded and was whooping ass and shit like that. Um, but that's, it's almost like something that you would have seen uh, in itself. Uh, something else that they had in there that was pretty cool. Halle Berry's character had a SIG P365. Uh, that was the gun that she uh, was when she you first see her uh, in Con- uh, was it fucking Casablanca? Uh, that's what you see her in. And then of course uh, during one of the big fight scenes, and the only hick in the get uh, hitching the giddy up, uh, he had a Toronto Tactical STI 2011 Combat Master chambered in nine by nineteen 
major. Now I will say Keanu Reeves himself didn't call it a 9 by 19 major. Uh, the concierge at the Continental did. And that was kind of fucking stupid. But anyhow, it was a pretty badass looking gun. Uh, it comes with a 24 round capacity. It's pretty fucking cool because uh, in the movie he had like 6 or 7 magazines lined up and loaded in his belt. Uh, that was uh, pretty cool. I bet that fucking belt weighed a ton with all the fucking ammunition and magazines that he had on him. Uh, something else cool that he had uh, in there, the 6 Sour MPX Copperhead. Uh, you know, that's a new firearm that just came out. Um, that was in there. Uh, something else that they had, of course, was another Terran Tactical Industries 6 Sour MPX Carbine uh, in 9mm. And uh, it was you know, fitted with a uh, uh, micro red dot and uh, Streamlight TLR8. It was pretty cool. Had, uh, of course, the Tehran Tactical extended, uh, uh, extended plates on the bottom of the magazine. Uh, and then finally, uh, there was some heavy shotgun usage in there. If you haven't seen it yet, you'll find out. Uh, and, of course, they had the Benelli M2 Super 90. Uh, and, of course, it was a Tehran Tactical souped up ultimate three gun package uh but it was it was pretty cool it was a great movie again i said like i said i liked it especially just because of the the dog use in there um that's something uh that i didn't actually mention in the the hardening of the home kind of deal but just having a dog you'd be surprised at how uh that can scare some people and reference that kind of shit so uh you know that's another thing that you can do um but anyway that is going to be out of our culture segment uh it's getting fucking late let's go ahead and start wrapping this bitch up Hey, y'all, again, I want to thank y'all very much again for listening to the podcast. Uh, the social media page, especially the Facebook page, has just fucking blown up since the last time we were on the podcast. We are uh, close to 750 followers. Right at 300 followers, we had a giveaway. Uh, I want to thank uh, Ray P. Uh, for liking the page. Uh, he was the winner of the swag pack. Uh, and once we get up to 1,000 uh, likes and followers on the Facebook page, uh, we're going to have a bigger giveaway. And then, of course, we have an Instagram page. Uh, it's only got a measly 35 followers. But, hey, once we get up to a certain number of followers there, uh, we're going to have another little swag pack giveaway. Uh, let's just go ahead and say uh, 100 followers. If you like, uh, we get to 100 followers on Instagram, we're going to have another uh, swag pack giveaway just for Instagram followers. Uh, but once we get to 1,000 likes and follows on Facebook, we're going to have a little bit bigger giveaway. It's going to be more than just hats and patches and stickers and shit. We're going to might be giving away a little bit of gear. Uh, and speaking of gear, I am making up some 2A Lifestyle podcast gear. Uh, we're going to be making some hats and shirts, stickers, and maybe even a patch or two. Who knows? 
but we're going to be making that shit up. Uh, it's going to be posted on our social media page. And if you haven't, go to our social media page. Give us a like, follow, uh, subscribe to this podcast on any uh, podcast app that you are listening to. And uh, like I said, more importantly, like I said before, give us a review. Because especially on iTunes, if you review us, then that's the best way for people to follow us, find us, uh, whenever they search for gun content on uh, different podcasting apps, that's the way they can find us. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, go uh, subscribe and give us a review. And once we get to a 1,000 likes on Facebook, we are going to have a little bit bigger giveaway. Uh, but, again, I want to greatly appreciate you all for, uh, for paying attention and for kind of my stumbling. Uh, just got done watching the Game of Thrones season Oh, not season series finale. That's the last fucking game at Thrones episode they're ever gonna make. Uh, so I'm making this a little bit later. Was kind of doing some shit this weekend, so I'm making this a little bit later than usual. Uh, so excuse my stumbling. Uh, appreciate you listening in. Uh, appreciate you liking us. Without y'all, I would be very lonely sitting here talking to this microphone, knowing that nobody's listening to me. But I know some of y'all are. And again, uh, pay attention and see you in two weeks.